The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. And to listen to the show live, well, not really live, but to listen to the show 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year, www.xzonetv.com. Exxon Nation, um, I can only say that I am thrilled and honored to have the next guest here on the Exxon. The Honorable Paul Hellier is my guest this hour. And uh, the Honorable Paul Hellier was Canada's youngest member of Parliament when he was first elected in 1949 and the youngest cabinet minister appointed to Louis Saint Laurent's government eight years later. After a stint in opposition, he subsequently held senior posts in the governments of Lester B. Pearson and Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who defeated him for the Liberal Party leadership in 1968. The following year, after achieving the rank of senior minister, which was later designated deputy prime minister, Mr. Hellier resigned from the Trudeau cabinet on a question of principle relating to housing. Although Mr. Hellier is best known for the unification of the Canadian Armed Forces and for his 1968 championship of the Task Force of Housing and Urban Development, he has maintained a lifelong interest in macroeconomics. Now, this led him to uh, form Action Canada, a populist movement dedicated to the concepts of full employment and low inflation, with an emphasis on the quality of life issues. Through the years, as a journalist and political commentator, he has continued to fight for economic reforms and has written several books on the subject. A man of many interests, 
Mr. Hellier's ideas are not classroom abstractions or abstractions. He was born and raised on a farm, and his business experience includes manufacturing, retailing, construction, land development, tourism, and publishing. He has also been active in community affairs, including arts and studied voice at the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto. His multifaceted career, in addition to a near lifetime in politics and union membership as a radio and TV commentator, gives Mr. Hellier a rare perspective on what has gone wrong with the economy and what has to be done about it. Exxon Nation, joining me this hour, the Honorable Paul Hellier. And uh, Mr. Hellier, welcome to the Exxon, sir. It's a pleasure indeed. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting the former Prime Minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting many members of, of our great country's politi- uh, political um, backbone to this great country of ours. And, and I'd like to thank you, sir, for the wonderful work that you did. And, you know, it's, it's people like you who make Canada the great nation it is. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much for saying so. Um, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break, uh, Mr. Hellier. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you about the Canada that you see now compared to the Canada of let's go back in time to the time of uh, Lester B. Pearson and then the uh, Canada of Pierre Elliott Trudeau. So please stand by, Exxon Nation. We're very proud and honored to have with us the Honorable Paul Hellier this hour here in the Exxon. For more information on Mr. Hellier, visit his website, www.paulhellierweb.com. That's P-A-U-L-H-E-L-L-Y-E-R-W-E-B.com. My name is Rob McConnell, and as you all know, I am a proud Canadian. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Canada is the Rocky Mountains, Canada is Prince Edward Island, Canada is the country made for love, Canada is La Belle Provence, Canada is the Yukon Miner, Canada is a country full of love. We have love for our neighbor of whatever creed or we have love for our cities and our valleys and our plains. We have a voice that is calling, telling all the world we're willing to welcome them to this great land. For well, that's what Canada is. Canada is the Rocky Mountains. Canada is Prince And welcome back, Exxon Nation. Uh, my name is Rob McConnell, and I am Canadian. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, and then is repeated uh, by uh, different networks from 2 until 6 a.m., and then from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m., seven nights a week. 
Our toll-free number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour, Exonation, is the Honorable Paul Hellyer. And uh, Paul, uh, first of all, I know you're a very busy gentleman, and I, I certainly do appreciate tremendously you taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the Exxon. But, but I have to ask you this, sir. How, what is the biggest change you have seen in Canada over the last 20 years? I think um, the biggest change has been probably in the attitude of people. Um, and this is not um, limited to Canada. It mm-hmm. pretty well extends across the face of the earth. The people somehow, for some reason, seem to be more self-centered and more uh, of the me generation, as it were, rather than uh, part of the community and wanting to serve the community and serve their country and uh, to uh, to give, as John Kennedy said. Mm-hmm. They just aren't in the giving mood as much as they are in a taking mood. And so there's a lot of people who feel that they're entitled without uh, really feeling that they, uh, you know, that they owe the rest of society um, fair shakes. And so you get, uh, I think, a concentration of wealth and power that we've never seen before, both in this country and around the world. And a few people are, uh, are doing extremely well. And frankly, a lot of them don't really care that there are millions of people unemployed. Mm. I think I saw a figure the other day that almost nine, figure, nine million people unemployed in the United States alone. And, uh, and, and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Nobody seems to take them into account and say, hey, these are real people. These aren't the statistics that you roll off the, uh, off the numbers or whatever. Right. Uh, th- these are people who have families and uh, lives and hopes and aspirations. And I think this is the biggest uh, change that I've seen worldwide, and uh, certainly in Canada, is the the attitude of people and uh, and their unwillingness, perhaps, to say, "Well, we're we're very wealthy, we're doing well as a, overall, so we should be willing to share a little more with the people who don't have much, and uh, with the people in the world who are in the same boat." Why, sir, are there so many unemployed people in Canada? Canada is a vast country. It seems that there should be no unemployment. What happened? What happened is that uh, a couple of New York banks decided to uh, beat the system the same way that they did in 1929, caused a worldwide recession, and the system, uh, which is uh, nothing but a house of cards anyway, Mm is uh, one that's very fragile, and they've managed to collapse it. And with that, to uh, reduce values worldwide, reduce purchasing power worldwide, and uh, just slow the economy down and put people out of work en masse from one corner of the world to to the next, you know, right around the whole globe. And uh, Canada fared a little better than some, uh, including our neighbors to the south, but uh, still there are far, far more people unemployed than is necessary. And this this is basically, I guess, a product of, of a, a monetary system, of an international monetary system, which doesn't make any sense. But most people, there are probably not more than one or two people out of 100 that will be listening today that know that privately owned banks create money out of thin air and that they create nearly all of the new money that is created 
And worse than that, it's all created as debt. And no one creates any money with which to pay the debt. So if you want the economy to grow, the only way under the present system is for somebody to go further into debt. And already most individuals are up to their ears in debt. Mm-hmm. And you hear cries, uh, certainly from Bay Street and Wall Street, that the governments have to cut down and cut back on on their programs and so on. Uh, so they don't want governments to go any more in debt than they are already. So if no one is going to willing, no one is willing to go further into debt, the economy is not going to grow. <clears throat> and um, th- this is a tragedy. And actually, Lord Keynes had it sort of half figured out after the Great Depression, that uh, where I grew up. But um, his name has been forgotten, and now we're we're living in an age where the bond dealers and bankers seem to be calling the shots, and they're just saying, "The heck with." public services and trying to maintain full employment and uh, look after little people. We want you to cut back and raise taxes if you have to uh, in order to pay the interest on this huge debt that exists all around the world. Sir, in uh, February, you um, you gave the following speech uh, at the International UFO Congress at Fort McDowell uh, Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I, I would just like to read a couple of paragraphs here. The speech is entitled, Exonation, Global Fraud, Global Hope. The world financial system is a, is a total fraud. It is one gargantuan Ponzi scheme, no better than the one Bernie Madoff used to swindle his friends and neighbors, and thousands of times worse if you add up the total number of victims it has ripped off over countless generations. The principal difference between the two schemes is that Madoff was acting outside the law while the international banking cartel has persuaded generation after generation of monarchs, presidents, and prime ministers to provide legislative protection for their larceny. The bank's Ponzi scheme is alarmingly simple. They lend the same money to several people or institutions at the same time and collect interest on 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 it from each. What the banks really lend, however, is their credit. And what they take back in compensation for that privilege is a debt that must be repaid with interest. The number of times they lend the money is called leverage. And by the way, Exonation, we are going to be publishing this entire speech in the May-June edition of the X-Chronicles newspaper, which comes out in two weeks. Uh, how can how can the banks and the financial institutions, sir, keep on getting away with this? And and how is this going to affect not only Canada, but our, our neighbors to our, the South and, and the European Union in the years to come? Well, we've been getting away with it for generations. <clears throat> and uh, we don't seem to do anything about it because... Uh, People don't understand it, which is the reason I made that speech. And uh, I, I, the, the economics uh, profession has let us down, and they don't really uh, go to the heart of the problem. As a matter of fact, that's why I went into politics in the first place uh, more than 60 years ago, because as a child of the Depression, mm-hmm. I saw this raw poverty, which you see in many places again today, and uh, I asked my professors at uh, university when I was going to university for a couple of years to get even with the prime minister for wasting my time in the armed forces, um, whether recessions and depressions were necessary or not. And they didn't answer the question. They didn't satisfy me. 
They just, in effect, said, read your economic history. In other words, there have always been recessions and depressions, and therefore, by an extension, there always will be. Well, that, question, that answer wasn't good enough for me, which is the reason I went into politics. And I say stoutly and have for years, there's never been either a recession or a depression that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them was a mon- part of the monetary phenomena. And uh, consequently, I've spent most of my life uh, trying to do something about it and still working at it. Written a few books, including the latest one, which is uh, right at the end of the tunnel, a survival plan for the human species. And banging away, trying to get people to think about the system and why it doesn't work. And it's, it's really very simple. And I, in that same speech you referred to, I said that any high school student could tell that if all of the money is created as debt, mm-hmm. then the total debt is heading toward infinity. And there's no way of stopping it. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And so that's the reason you've got these problems, the United States having to increase their uh, their debt level all the time and uh, having all the panics in Greece and, uh, and Ireland and uh, Spain and some other places where they can't meet the, the payments on their debt is because the money doesn't exist to pay. So what is going on now, and this is a tragedy, instead of doing something that will solve the problem, all the world financial financial community is doing is lending them more to keep them going so that the whole system doesn't collapse and so that they can pay their debt. And this is even worse than telling them how to run their lives, taking away their freedom, saying, well, you no longer can mm-hmm. save how you're going to run your country. You're going to run it the way we tell you to. And that is happening in countries from one corner of the, of the world to another. You know, it's we sit back and we and we look at at the world around us. There are so many people trying so hard to make ends meet, and then we see countries who are fighting for the same democratic rights as as people in the United States and Canada are so fortunate to have. Uh, then you see the international community banding together to help these countries out. One of my concerns, sir, is that. Canada gives so much outside of Canada, and yet there are so many Canadians within Canada that need the help as well. Well, we can, uh, we can well afford to do it if we run a country, our country pro- properly. And we had a system that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it the Canadian precedent, really. We had a system that worked from 1939 to 1974. In 1938, there were no jobs in Canada, not a single job. Excuse you know. <coughs> And uh, what happened was the war came along the next year, mm-hmm. and all of us, pretty soon, everyone was working. All right, sir, I hate to do this, but I do have to take my news break. Please stand by. Exxon Nation, the Honorable Paul Hellier is my very special guest this hour. His website, www.paulhellierweb.com. And the Honorable Paul Hellier and I will be back on the other side of this news break as the Exxon continues from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And our valleys and our plains, we have a... You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. 
Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. You know, a lot of Canadians really have no idea how blessed they are to live in Canada or how other people see Canada when they visit us or come to school here or or they've got a job that brings them to Canada and then they go back to their own countries. Perfect example, Exxon Nation, is this email I received from Arthur Feng earlier today. Um, it's, um, you know, thank you for your show. The show is is amazing. I live in Hong Kong and work in the financial industry. From an unlikely link I got from researching on the views of the financial crisis I was brought to your website and podcast via searches on Crisis by Design, and I am hooked. Um, the, the letter goes on, and he says, By the way, I spent six to seven years in Toronto when I attended the University of Toronto. The opening anthem reminds me that I miss Canada and the gentle Canadian. Sometimes a cut, uh, sometimes a cut scene comes up from a memory on the first morning I walked out of the apartments to St. George Street leading down to the University of Toronto campus. The street was empty except for one person. He walked up, smiled, and said good morning to me. I was shocked. What on, what on earth is this place, I asked myself. Why are these people so friendly? Heaven should be like this. This is my new home, Canada. Joining me now this hour, Exonation, is the Honorable Paul Hellier, a gentleman who who is who is responsible for the way that Canadians are looked at around the world. And um, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Hellier, for all that you did and all the other members of Parliament 
in the past and to the members of parliament present and future for making this great country the great country it is. And before we went to the commercial break, we uh, we I I, I know I, I I was talking about how can we give so much outside of Canada when there are so many people now who need help that seem to be passed over because the international community seems to need money and care, food, housing, schools, then the people that are being passed up on our own streets. Toronto, for example, you drive down Young Street, you see people sleeping on the streets. Um, and it isn't necessary. No, sir. Let me finish the point I was starting to make before the break. When the war started in 1939, mm-hmm. pretty soon everyone was working in the, harm, the armed forces or building uh, munitions or building factories, uh, everyone was doing something until the point when unemployment got down as near zero as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, well, where did they get the money to do that? Well, the answer is the Bank of Canada printed it, P-R-I-N-T-E-D, it, and made it available to the government of Canada at near zero cost. And they, they did that for, they gave them a lot of money. The government spent it into circulation to pay for all of these things that we're just talking about. And it wound up in the private banks where it became what the economists called high-powered money, which was the base on which they could extend some of their credit Mm -hmm. and uh, provide loans to people who wanted to do things, including buying government bonds. Well, this is the system that got us out of the Great Depression, helped finance the war, and then helped finance the post-war period, including in Canada, the construction of the St. Lawrence Seaway, the Great Seaway, the Trans-Canada Highway and the new airport terminals that we were doing, and then helped to lay the foundation for our magnificent uh, welfare system after the war when we really cared about people. In 1974, the Bank of Canada, without any consent or advice of the government, changed the system. And it was due to a little-known organization called the Bank of International Settlements in Zurich, Switzerland, And all the the central banks took a decision to adopt the ideas of Milton Friedman and uh, really go to an unregulated system. Mm -hmm. And it's been downhill ever since. Now, you raised the question. In 1974, there were no people sleeping on the streets in Toronto. There were no food banks. There wasn't a single food bank in Canada. Today, I think there's, I can't remember exactly, but around 800 of them. And there are people on the street everywhere. And this all began when the Bank of Canada stopped printing money for the government at zero interest and made the government instead go and borrow on the market at market rates the money that they needed if we had a recession and had to make up the deficit. And this is, and we were, were lucky in a sense that our our central bank was uh, was publicly owned. In the United States, the the uh, federal system, federal reserve system, was probably the biggest swindle in the history of the world. When the the Congress, in the dead of night near Christmas, passed the legislation which handed their sovereign right to create money over to privately owned banks, and this is the issue: the, the governments own the right to make money, to print money, to create money, but they don't do it. They have the sovereign right, but they don't exercise it. Instead, they have licensed private banks to do it, 
and then even have to go and beg the private banks to lend some to them at high interest rates if there's a recession and they fall short. So what we need at the moment worldwide, we need a massive reflation to make up for the the credit money that was uh, was in effect evaporated mm-hmm. in 2007-2008 was the result of the of the banking system. And it's got to be vast around the world trillions of dollars in money should be created that is debt free that doesn't have to be repaid, and it should be created by the governments of the various countries affected, including the Canadian government. If we would create, say, maybe $200 billion, um, that would be enough to balance our books, to continue uh, priming the pump, as they call it, to get people back to work and get the economy up to speed, to give some of that money to the provinces who... uh, are cutting back now and uh, cutting down services that we've had for years and uh, we're putting up taxes and uh, in Ontario and uh, British Columbia and so on, which are really biting, incidentally. So instead of going the wrong way, and incidentally the exactly the same way that we did after the crash of 1929 mm-hmm. in the early 30s, we would go the right way, which was how we got out of the Great Depression and uh, financed World War II, when money was made available to governments uh, at very low cost. So this this is a, a big issue, and it's being argued uh, in some quarters. Uh, Lincoln, for example, financed the, his uh, part of the Revolutionary War by printing greenbacks. Mm-hmm. And there are many people in the United States are saying this is what has got to happen now, that the government of the United States has to print, I would say, probably to start off a couple trillion green, greenbacks, get them in circulation and not cut programs and give a lot of that money to the states who are cutting back or having terrible trouble and, uh, and get the system working, up and working. And then in the future, and this is part of the, what I said in my speech uh, in Arizona and also in my book, uh, Light at the End of the Tunnel, Survival Plan for the Human Species, is some kind of formula there are a lot of monetary reformers that think governments should create all of the new money. I, I think we could get a system that would work even if they printed a part of it. And I, my current, current recommendation is that they print 34% of the new money um, and still leave the banks with the, with the capability of creating two-thirds of the new money so they'd be able to finance new industry and so on. But they wouldn't have enough money for the kinds of... Uh, things they do, like uh, leverage buyouts and mm-hmm. uh, and all these exotic derivatives that are uh, hanging over the heads of the world system. So it's it's really a massive, massive change in system that we have to face, and that is to stop letting a handful of people in the banking cartel run the world and, in effect, tell governments everywhere, including the United States government, what to do and give people back their freedom so that we could make the choices that would be good for our own lives. And you were talking about democracy earlier. Yes. I don't know where there is a democratic country, because the United States has been run by the Wall Street for years and years and years, and the, the Canadian economy has been run by the Bank of Canada for years. And I know th- three times when parties during elections promised jobs, 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 
And then they got an office, and the Department of Finance and the Bank of Canada said, well, it's all right for you to, to promise jobs, but we're actually running the show. And we're not going to we're not going to lower interest rates. We're not going to make sure there's enough money there to provide full employment. We're just going to do what, uh, in effect, the banking car- international banking cartel uh, says is good uh, for the system the way we run it. So this is a this is a huge huge problem, and it spills over into another one that we haven't discussed. I rate the problems of the world. I rate the number one problem of the world is global warming, mm-hmm. and the most urgent is financial reform. And the reason I put it in that order is because countries of the world today don't have the cash to pay for the transition from an oil economy to a clean energy economy in 10 years, which I think is about the time we've got to do it before the the, the damage is irreversible, which it you know, is getting closer every day. So we've got to change the monetary system, and then we've got to take, get our politicians to take global warming seriously and do something about it before it's too late. But these things are all wrapped up together like Siamese twins. And uh, unfortunately, our leaders are acting as if they're in some sort of dreamland mm-hmm. and they're not really taking either one of them seriously so far. You know, if if we can put men on the moon, if we can put small robots on Mars, it baffles my mind that we can't come up with a solution for alternative fuel. The only explanation I can come up with is that Fossil fuel makes a lot of money for a lot of people, and they well, don't want to give your, up the cash cow. You're, you're putting your finger on uh, on one of the problems. That the same people who are running the banking system have trillions of dollars worth of assets in the, in the ground, and they want to get them out. Mm-hmm. And consequently, to put it bluntly, they're willing to risk the future of the world to line their own pockets. And this, uh, in my opinion, is not acceptable. It's the kind of of self-centeredness that I was talking about at the, uh, the outset of the show. And it's got to change. Do you believe that the technology already exists to to turn everything around? You're talking about the uh, change to uh, clean energy? Yes, sir. Yeah, I do, indeed. I, I have reason to believe that it's been developed uh, by people in the United States working in concert with uh, visitors from other planets, and they've been working for 60 years, as I'm sure you know, uh, mm-hmm. back engineering the, the uh, crashes at Roswell and before and since, and uh, that they've, they have developed things which, are, which just boggle the mind. But the one that I'm most interested in, of course, is clean energy. And I was told uh, you know, years ago that they had developed both uh, zero-point energy and uh, cold fusion which would make it possible to uh, to make this change in 10 years and do it uh, in a way that would stimulate the economies rather than wreck them, which is one of the excuses we give, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, save the planet in the process. So why they're keeping it quiet, I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's amazing that the United States government can pretend that they're not interested in UFOs when, in fact, they have been... Uh, replicating them, working at replicating them for, uh, well, 60 years or more now. Sir, you and I have to take our final break for this hour. Please stand by. ExoNation, my guest this hour, the Honorable Paul Hellier. His website is www.paulhellierweb.com, P-A-U-L-H-E-L-L-Y-E-R-W-E-B. 
dot com. That's paulhellierweb.com. And uh, Mr. Hellier's speech that he gave this past February at the International UFO Congress in Scottsdale, Arizona, is going to be printed in its entirety in the May-June edition of the X-Chronicles newspaper for one and all to read. I've had the pleasure of reading it. Exonation. Nation, this is something. If you care about this planet, if you care about the country that you live in, if you care, let's just say, if you care, you will read this and pass it to as many people as you know. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. The Honorable Paul Hellier is my special guest to this hour, Exonation, www.paulhellierweb.com. And um, let me ask you this, sir. Does the Canadian government have proof that we have been visited by extraterrestrials from other planets? I would say the answer has to be yes. But when you say the Mm -hmm. Canadian government, I don't know who, because this is the kind of thing that is very closely held. And in the United States, for example, uh, there are top, some top military people and top political people who are just are not in the loop. And, uh, and so consequently, uh, it's on a need-to-know basis. And, right. uh, and even the president of the United States is not allowed to know some of the things that have been going on for the last few decades. And this is one more reason why I say, uh, you know, they call it a mm-hmm. democracy, but... If the commander-in-chief doesn't know what's uh, going on by his subordinates, and that raises some very serious questions in my mind. Sir, There's what? Another, Go ahead, sir. Another website that uh, we haven't mentioned that I'd like to get on the record. Sure. That's www.victoryfortheworld, all one word, victoryfortheworld.net. And on it, uh, not only could they download the speech that we've been talking about, but there, there are other books um, that you can get, one by Ellen Brown, for example, a web of debt. You read the first hundred pages of that about the history of the banking system, it'll turn your stomach. And uh, another one of my books is uh, there, the, the one that I've been talking about right at the end of the tunnel. But another one for people who are interested in economics, um, it's called A Miracle in Waiting, Econ- the Economics of Common Sense. And there are also three action plans that are posted there, one for Canada, one for the United States, and one for the world. And if you go to the action plan, it gives you a list of things that you might consider doing if you were really concerned about the future of the world. And uh, people often say, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, we put these, these action plans up so uh, that they answer that question. It tells you what you can do if you feel like doing it. 
and I'm not in the business of selling books, um, but my book, uh, Right at the End of the Tunnel, if you're, is a good book if you really want to know what's been going on in the world in the last few decades, why we're in so much trouble, and who's pulling the strings, because there are people that pull the strings. Why well, it's a good book to take a look at, and it gives you a pretty comprehensive uh, uh, view, and some quite a few American readers have said that they've learned more about their own country from the book than they, uh, than they knew before. Sometimes you just have to stand outside the box in order to see what's inside that box, right? Exactly. Yeah, you've got it. Mr. Hellier, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight, sir. It's been a great honor and pleasure talking to you. I wish you much success. Thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you for sharing your views. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon, sir. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. My great pleasure. And once again, thank you for all that you've done to make this a great country. You're very kind. Thank you. Nation. my guest this hour has been the Honorable Paul Hellier. A couple of websites, www.paulhellierweb.com and www.victoryfortheworld.net. Don't forget, Nation. we're going to publish in its entirety uh, the, uh, the speech that Mr. Hellier gave at the International UFO Congress in Scottsdale, Arizona earlier this week, entitled Global Fraud global hope. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues. We're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.